last time on Four Or. Can I move? You are not bound. Hello? Where am I? Hello? I won't ask again. You hear heavy footsteps coming your way. I'm going to shut the door. They get right in front of the door and keep walking. I'm going to walk out on faith and exit the room. You peek around and you see a normal-sized man walking away from the corner. Are there any doors on this hallway? There is a single door. I'm going to quickly open the door. Who are you? Who's asking? I don't think I have an appointment with you. Well, hold on, hold on. You might, actually. What you got that's illegal? I mainly deal in body parts. We have some demand for fingers. Real quick, sorry, I get really disoriented. Where, where are we right now? In the sewers. What kind of operation is this? This is the Midnight Coven. What are you talking about? You're here. Fine, I'll take my human body parts elsewhere. Okay, I guess just leave. Okay, I'm gonna try to go further down the hallway. As you look down, you see a small halfling woman look at you and wave and then dip into the hallway. And I'm gonna start running. What you see in your peripheral are three (laughs) men. Shit. And you get to the other corner and you look down where she went and she's not there. What? And then I'm going to turn and look behind me. <laughs> and you turn and look behind you and the three men have like stood up and like moved to where they can look down the hallway at you and they're just kind of tilting their heads at you. Did you see a little girl? No, I didn't see a little girl. <laughs> this is our hideout. You make your way to the ladder and start to climb up to a, a torch-lit room above. Well, look who it is. My old pal, Thorith. And then out of the shadows of the room walks a small halfling woman. Have fun, Thorith. Goodbye. Lord brings up his hand and does a little flourish. And then Rusi, the illusion, vanishes. Come inside. Come on. I'm going to look at him uneasily, trying to decide if I can trust him. Well, he said come inside, guys. After you, Astra. You're the guest of honor, apparently. The two of you with Kurgle step inside the temple. Astra Ferris, look at you. You've grown up so much. I'm sorry, do I know you? My name's Mayan Rel. I'm the sovereign archon of Peltron's Blade. I knew your mother. How did you know my mother? Your mother was very important to the city. I had no idea until very recently. Can you tell me? You see, whenever we lost your mother, we lost you. We knew you were in the city, but you were lost to us. I believe it's because you never trained like your mother was. What kind of training did my mother undergo? I'm guessing that you've discovered that you have some unique abilities. Yes. Your mother had those same abilities. Don't get me wrong, it's not in your bloodline or anything. It was something that was passed on to you and you were selected. This is not a gift. This is a burden. Your choices are the choices of the people of Shandlin. The Amalgam selected you for a reason. Whether by fate, destiny, or circumstance, it is your duty to protect Shandlin. Why me? No Faded knows the answer to why they're selected. I guess as I'm the Faded, I should have you train me. He guides you from the entryway of the temple down the center aisle of the chapel. Step on the platform, Astra, and you look down at the platform and see a spiral staircase leading below. It's called the Atrium. It's used by many of our holy elites for training. What do I do? Well, you go down there. It'll step into your mind. Okay, let's do this. You walk down the stairs. You then break into a completely different environment. Well, it's about time you showed up, Astra. Finch, down on your knees. Take your hand off that weapon. I'm Master Scout of Aces. I'm here to protect. I I did not do any of this. What are you talking about? You are not in charge here. Follow my command as I wait for backup. This is not up for discussion. Now look, we've been here for hours. You know we've been inside the keep this entire time. I don't know when this murder happened. The crowd is starting to look a little scared, and they're starting to kind of back up. You can actually hear murmurs. Crimson Command were up to no good. The king should never let these people in. Fools, fools, fools. I will get on my knees, but you must let my friend look at this scene. Again, you are not in charge here. If you're with him, you should be on your knees as well. Look, I simply made a request to examine the scene. I will let you 
see the scene once I have backup. It's just this one dude? Yeah. I'm about to start walking up. When I see Finch starting to approach, I want to use my awakened mind to talk to him. Just relax. Uh, this guy looks a little shaken. Let's not um, push him further than we have to. We'll get on our knees and wait for your backup. Just relax. And then I'll get down on my knees. I'm going to follow Felomir's lead. This way! Over here! There's been a murder! What are we doing here, Felomir? Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but let's see how this plays out. Two sentinels move behind the two of you. What happened here? There's been a murder, sir. Look at the wall. That's not good. What is it? Crimson blood will not spill again, huh? Is that what's on the wall? Well, what, what should we do about it? I don't know anything about it. Is there any other Crimson Command in the city right now? I think I'm the only one. There's no other suspects right now. Arrest these men. I want to attempt to cast Hypnotic Pattern without them noticing. All right. I'm going to say the crowd pretty much falls to the spell, and so do all four of these Sentinels. I told you I could uh, get us out of here if I needed. I figured that was a good... We have about a minute before they wake up. Walk over to the scene really quick to see if there's anything I can I can take from it. There are circular indentions kind of cone-shaped into the ground, and then that fades into a wider boot. Philomir, look at this. All right, we're getting out of here this way. Uh, lead, lead the way. Let's get out of here. I'm going to follow the footprints. You look across the road from the alley you're at to another alley, and you see a familiar face. It's hidden beneath the cowl of a cloak. And then the face turns, and it starts to run down the alley. Pursue. And whenever they turn, their cowl falls back. It's Grant Quarter. Grant? You see him launch 20 feet into the air onto a rooftop. What the hell? <laughs> 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 he just pushes you to the side and you fall off the building without him. And then Felomir runs out of the alley and you find him on his back and the both of you look up and about four buildings down, he's running off. Are you, are you all right? I guess you didn't get him. Ugh, it was, it was great and he got away. Come on, we can't stay around here. The moon cascades down on the streets of Chandelin. A storm hit yesterday while you are still in your coma. Today has been wet, but sunny. But in the moonlight, you can see clouds gathering again for another storm. Walking briskly with cloaks on and hoods up, Finch and Felomir, you're slightly lost in this city. You continue down this alley to its street exit. Stop at the corner and see two sentinels patrolling in your direction. What do you do? Push us back up and against a wall into the alley. So you just want to hide in the shadows? Yeah. All right, give me stealth checks. Two. Crit miss. All right, y'all. As you're getting ready to exit the alley, the two sentinels spot you, and you kind of dip back into the alley, and it automatically looks suspicious. And so they, not even knowing who you are, they just rush up. Excuse me, what are you two doing? I was, uh, I was... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Please explain to this kind gentleman what I was doing. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna start yelling, I guess, a little belligerently. Like, are, are we, are we there yet? When <laughs> you said we would be home by now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm, this is my, this is my old friend Velimir. We're just, uh, we're trying to, we were trying to find our way to the market, and we got lost. And I'm ready to lay down. I'm, I'm trying to get him somewhere to take some rest, maybe to the end. He's Quite belligerent, and I'll <laughs> grab him. Uh, fellow here, give me a deception with advantage for Finch's help. <laughs> Ten. 
Get him home safely. Yes, yes, of course. Thank you. Don't trip like you just did. He's too old for falling. I'm like, come, come here. And I'll just, like throw one of his arms around my shoulder and try and walk him a little safer. Okay. They continue walking past. That was a close one. We, uh, we really need to get off the streets. <sighs> yeah, but I mean, we still got to find Grant. Like, can't just let him get away. How long ago did we lose Grant? Um, we'll say that the skill challenge ended around 5 o'clock, and then y'all ran in his direction, really lost track of where he was, and it's been about an hour or two. You're just kind of in the area where you think okay. he might just be. But we, we pretty much got a, like a cold trail at this you point. You have a pretty cold trail, yeah. I, I assume we're in an area where an inn might be. Okay, so you want to look for a topic? Kind of, but or I guess, yeah, just because that's where we're probably going to find information and or him. But I'm also going to like be looking for prints on the ground because it's been wet. So I'm hoping that maybe I'll see some weird circular footprints again. So like off of the cobblestone streets in the alleyways, you want to find like muddy prints yeah. again? Uh, give me an investigation check. It's a nine. So you walk down the street for a little bit. The rain's really starting to pick up. It doesn't appear like it's going to be a light storm at all. And you make your way into an alleyway. You're looking around. You really can't find any kind of odd footprints or anything like that. But I will say you come across a tavern called the Little Lion. And as you get close to the tavern, it's kind of rambunctious inside because it's getting into the nighttime and it's like early night. So people are pretty awake after their day jobs and stuff. And you see people rushing in from the rain and they're trying to get out of it. They don't want to get wet. But then two men step outside and they step under a pavilion. They light up some pipes and they start smoking some sort of tobacco. Did you hear about the murders in the canal district? No, what happened this time? Looks like that Crimson Command is turning on the people. Some man named Finch is killing in the name of the command and everything. Then you were right. Never should have trusted those people. Nope, I'll definitely be canceling my dealings with them. No money is worth being involved with something that'll get me put in the pen. I'm just like looking at Bellamir, just like <laughs> hands on my <laughs> face. like. Yeah, I'm just, I'm going to try to console him. Like, I'll pat him on the shoulder. Like, what, how do I clear my name here? What do I do? Like, even if we catch Grant, he is Grimson Command. Look, just, just relax. We'll, we'll find Grant and then we'll get this all sorted out. Let's just, let's, let's go inside for now. We need to lay low for Going to make sure whatever I have on me that could show me off as a Crimson Command member is hidden. I think uh, whenever you first left after boot camp, the only thing that you kept on you that was Crimson Command was your amulet. So you could put that in your collar. Yeah, let me uh, make sure that's tucked in. I guess we'll try and enter. Okay, so you enter into the little lion. Once you're inside, it's a very cozy, but like I was saying, pretty rambunctious tavern. We'll say there's like roughly 30 people inside, pretty small, so still compact. A small bar with four stools at it, and two of them will say are empty for the two of you, if that's your goal. Yeah, I, I plan on just sitting down. We shall approach. Okay, so you uh, go over and you sit at the bar. Bartender looks over to you. Hi, uh, what can I get you? An ale for me and my friend, please. All right, that'll be one gold. One gold. And he pours two ales for you, and you're sitting at the bar. Can you uh, remind me what Grant looks like? He's Elvin. We'll say he has darker blonde hair, pretty well-kept, tall, skinny. Facial features-wise, he's pretty standard-looking elf. Was there anything that I noticed, like, specifically what he was wearing, I guess, earlier today? Um, we'll say he was wearing, like, a, a dark blue cloak. And underneath that, whenever you were chasing him and his cloak was pretty much flapping behind him, we'll say that he had pretty much just a standard leather armor set on and it did have like Crimson Command symbols on it. I know you said he was definitely wearing Crimson Command boots. Yes. He's in like standard Crimson Command gear. And despite the name Crimson Command, I usually don't picture Crimson Command wearing a bunch of red. 
I don't know why. Yeah, I would assume just there's like some red on the medallion or something. Sure. I just don't picture a lot of red in their uniform for some reason. Yeah, I don't think I do either. Well, I guess first I'll take a little spin in my bar stool and check out the crowd, see if there's anyone that looks like him. Okay. I'll give me a perception check. 27. Even with that perfect score, he's just not here. What was over in the canal district? Was there maybe like a shop or anybody wearing like uniforms that weren't Sentinel or Crimson Command that I could be like, that guy might have been there? Well, you're actually not sure where you are right now. The canal district is a very large district. It's Mm -hmm. the largest one in Chandelin. It houses a variety of everyone. The Sentinels are the town guard, so they would be also everywhere through the city. I feel Mm -hmm. like you're probably both discombobulated on where you are. So in that sense... You don't see anyone that looked familiar from the canal district. I think we need to maybe try and talk to someone here to see if maybe they've seen anyone that looks like Grant today, maybe, or even this week. Just don't know who to ask. Yeah, I mean, we should we should probably try to gather what information we can. I mean, when in doubt, ask the bartender, right? I guess it's as good a place to start as any. Bartender? Ah, yes. You looking for a meal? Well, I actually just had a, a question for you. Um, I'm trying to locate someone. Um, kind of uh, elven, dark, blondish hair, a little tall, fit-looking. Um, I could count on my fingers and toes how many of those I've seen. Well, this one was uh, in a dark blue cloak with some leather armor underneath. Maybe even boots that look similar to those Crimson Command guys. Okay. Um, I don't really take a look at people's boots often that's fine i don't expect you to the blue cloak though like a a, you said dark blue or like a bright blue it was more of a dark blue hmm not nothing really rings a bell there you're looking a little armed though or is he in trouble um i'm afraid that he might be causing some trouble i'm oh well that's not good exactly maybe you should tell the sentinels you know, I, as soon I was hoping I could figure out where this guy was first before I brought them. To oh, them. you're looking for the reward? I see, I see, clever man. We got, we got to make some coin, you know, somehow. Yeah, I guess if you don't have a job. But you do remember someone with a light blue cloak? Uh, I think I saw somebody with a bright blue, and yeah. Hmm. Well, that's probably not him. It's okay. I'm look at Philomir. I just don't know. Well, I don't think uh, just wandering around aimlessly around the the city is gonna accomplish much. Perhaps we could see about finding our companions again. I mean, at the very least, Astra could show us where the canal district is or potentially where he could be hiding, maybe. Maybe under my breath. Um, do you think it's worth checking the keep again? Mm, that place is probably swarming with sentinels by now. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I'm not exactly inconspicuous. <laughs> my only other idea is to just keep asking people around this tavern, but I don't know. Sounds fun to me. <laughs> I mean, we could just ask about like the situ- like those two dudes outside, they know something about it. We can see what the rumors are. Ooh, that sounds like a pretty good idea, Vilmir. I'll uh, I'll call the bartender back over. Start with him. Uh, so uh, we heard something crazy happened at the uh, the Crimson Keep today. Did you hear anything about that? Oh yeah, that's news all around town. Apparently, some some lunatics going out and killing people. Really? Yeah, they say his name. What was it? Uh, French. French. Sounds like he's up to no good with a name like that. Yeah, it's a really weird name. Can't really tie a lineage or region to it. <laughs> Very foreign. <laughs> uh, did, you, did you hear anything else? Like, what what happened? Uh, so, apparently, they did something and escaped. Some sort of crazy spell that made everybody, like, completely lose their minds. Whoa. I hate magic. Magic terrifies me. I mean, it's cool sometimes. He casts a mage hand and moves your mug to the left and right in front of you. I guess that is pretty cool. Yeah, it can help whenever you want to serve people things. Use the magic for good. That's what I always say. 
Oh, are you a, you a magician? I dabble. Ah, and you're friends with a guy that hates it. That must be annoying. It's a, it's a good dynamic. I, I fear what I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to assume we still have a good bit of beer. Can I get two more ales, please? Ah, sure. Uh, one gold. I'll give him two gold this time. Thank you, sir. Perhaps we go outside and visit our new friends. Why not? And so I'll grab my beer and a beer and get him to do the same. He yeah. nods his head to you and starts serving somebody else. And then, yeah, I'll follow Finch outside with the two ales. Okay. So you uh, walk outside, and these two men are still there uh, smoking from their pipes. They don't really pay any notice to you or anything. Uh, you just kind of huddle into the pavilion as the rain continues to fall. Howdy, boys. Uh, quite weather we're having tonight, huh? Uh, yeah, you telling me. Well, here, maybe these uh, help ease your spirits. We could just share a little conversation together. Um, sure. And he takes the two and hands one to the other guy. Me and my buddy are just out, out tonight, you know, getting some getting some food and some drink. And we, as we were walking in, we overheard quite the tale you guys were spinning. We were just hoping we could get a little more information. Oh, yeah, his wife's getting real crazy right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid uh, that's not what we were uh, referring to. Uh, I think we heard something about murder. Oh, yeah, she tried to murder him with a knife. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the story you to- were hearing. Today? In yeah, the Canal like, District? Oh, no, that he lives over in the Trade District, so... Oh, you're, you're talking about the Crimson Command thing. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what you guys were... That's what we heard, at least. Oh. Oh, well, I mean, we could talk about both. I mean, sure, what, which tell you want to hear. I mean, it'll be on him to tell you the story about his wife. <laughs> oh, I don't want to go through that again, man. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, we'll just... What, what happened with the, the Crimson Command, then? Ah, okay, so what I heard was that this guy's going around and just killing everyone he sees. Like, there's already been like 100 people murdered or something. My God. Just today? Just today. Goodness me. Any clues on what this maniac might look like? He's wearing Crimson Command gear, so I guess if uh, if you've been in town or really anywhere in the world, you've probably seen one, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the blue cloaks and leather armor. Pretty shitty little command, if you ask me. <laughs> I don't even know why we use them. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> and I'll chuckle <laughs> along with them. And also, at the same time, Pat Finch on the back. <laughs> and I'll let out a... <laughs> 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 and so, you, have you seen any blue cloaks running around? I haven't seen one, no. Uh, I'm keeping an eye out on him, though. I've got a dagger waiting for him. He unsheaths it and just kind of shines in the moonlight and puts it back. Good to be safe. Always. There's no telling what kind of money you can get for catching him. Oh, you think there's a reward? Ah, there's got to be. hundred people, Dad? Sentinel's got to have some money waiting for that. That is true. I'd like to get my hands on them. I know some bounty hunters are looking. Oh, yeah? Like who? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I wasn't sure you'd give me a lead there. <laughs> uh, the Savage Man's really coming out. Is he in? Is he inside? Oh, no. He's probably patrolling the streets right now. The Savage Man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's he like? That's his nickname. I don't know his actual name, but he leaves a really bloody trail. Well, what's his deal? I've never heard of him. Uh, he's one of the best in this city. He's always looking out for uh, criminals, you know? Always looking for that money that the Sentinels will give. What, is he, what does he look like? <laughs> he wears a bandana. <laughs> I swear, there's an episode. He's got his barbed wire tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> there's an episode of SpongeBob that is this. Like, definitely. He's wearing a bandana on his head. He rides his strange two-wheeled device all around the city. <laughs> he has these glasses that are green-tinted so that he can see through the night. I mean, when he's hunting people, you know, he wears a black cloak that has gold lightning bolts on it and uh, tassels that, that 
fun that ball from his forearm. Taking notes over there, Valmir. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I went with this, but it's happening because of his shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. This dude sounds awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, listeners, there's a Macho Man Randy Savage shirt at the table. But, yeah, he's a brawler, man. He doesn't use any weapons or anything. Just catches them by hand, grapple them to the ground. Sounds pretty savage. <laughs> I mean, if you're hunting him, I'd say you'd go out at night. That's whenever criminals mostly do their workings, you know? Yes, I, I suppose you are right. Yeah, I guess we could just go go on foot and start looking. Could be 5,000 gold waiting for you. I could use 5,000 gold. Yes, very tempting. Well, boys catching this monster and I'll raise my ale yeah. to everybody. <laughs> they raise their takers to you. I'm going to chug it and throw it on the ground and walk out into the rain. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he reminds me of my wife. So y'all head into the night. You travel for, we'll say, 10, 20 minutes. You're pretty much soaked at this point from the rain. And then you hear a scream. You watch down the alleyway and you see a woman run past. And then you see a spider-like silhouette creature chasing after her at a much faster speed. You run to the end of the alley, and you look to where they're going on the left side, and you see her cut into another alleyway to the right, and then that creature follows right after. You look down to the ground, and you see cone-like shapes in the ground. Philomir, these are the prints. Good God. Uh, come on, let's go. Yes, run, go. <laughs> you run through the streets, and you catch up. You look down the alley, and you see that it's a dead end. The woman is caught. This creature is slowly inching its way towards her. And then as a cloud moves out of the way and the moonlight shines down, on the back of the creature is Grant Quarter. His back fused to the creature's back. It's not Grant Quarter. It's a creature morphing into Grant Quarter. Give me initiatives. I see you've unlocked your ability. Mayan Rail looks up to you and smiles. Keth and Kurgle stand next to him at the bottom of the stairs of this platform. The Eye of the Net's a powerful ability. Your mother assisted Shandalun and even all of Eltron's Blade regularly with her divination powers. And now, with your combat experience, I think you could do even more than your mother. Well, uh, thank you for the training. Um... I wouldn't say it's over yet. You got a lot to learn. But this will definitely help you trigger some of those things. Well, what's next? I mean, you've got the experience in combat, it seems like, right? Oh, yeah. I say we go ahead and see if we can find him. I'm assuming you want me to use divination to find Kor? Well, I don't really know exactly how it works, but uh, your mother used to sit over there next to the altar. Sometimes she would need, like, an object. Okay, I was going to ask you. I'm assuming that we haven't rested since we're picking up where we left off, okay? But you have unlocked your abilities. I believe that I have a spell for that. Uh, do you have an object of Kors? Well, I don't really have his, but I have mine. He pulls a necklace from his collar. I have this necklace. It's the same one that our acolytes get, and he's the last one that I've had recently, so if he's still wearing it, maybe you can use this somehow. And he unhooks his necklace and hands it to you, and it's an amalgam pendant on a gold necklace, and it has encrusted in it rubies, sapphires, emeralds, and black opals. I just picture me and uh, Kurgle like, ooh, like, <laughs> yeah, looking over like, Astro's shoulders. It's like a straight chain. All right, I will go to the, what did he say, altar? Yeah, she usually sat at the altar, he said. Okay, I will sit at the altar and just kind of like stare at the medallion okay. for a little while. 
and before I do anything, uh, I'm going to talk to Oystrich in my mind. Okay. So you pull Oystrich from his little, your little scruff on your shoulder, I guess. While she's preparing, Keth, is there anything you'd like to do? Nope, I'm just watching. Okay. So yeah, Keth, Kurgle, and Mayan Rail are kind of watching from a distance as you sit down at the altar and hold Oystrich in your hands. Hey, buddy, you remember Shandolin pretty well, right? Ah, really spent a lot of time in the cage, Asher. Can't say I spent a lot of time in the streets looking around, you know? You kind of kept me in a scroll box and... <laughs> okay, that was not the answer I was expecting. Um, before I rescued you <laughs> from the witch, uh, before she captured you, I assume you spent some time in, on the streets of Shandolin, like I wrote in my... <laughs> storyboard that I made for my art class day. Well, sure. I guess I, I remember some. I remember, I wouldn't say the city, though. I remember some, yeah. Okay. Um, it's I, a big city, Astra. It, it is. Um, but do you trust me? Well, sure. I, I always trust you. Okay. Um, well, can you help me with a spell? Of course. I guess. I mean, I'll, I'll do what I've done last time. You know, just I'll, I'll sit, sit here, here and look, look at you. you. Okay. <laughs> As he sits there and looks at you. <laughs> Is there something you need me to do specifically? Well, I was I was thinking I'd, I don't know where this core is. Um, and I, I don't know if my spell's strong enough to locate him. But, you know, maybe if you helped me, if you ran around Chandelin, it would increase the range. I'm, I mean, I guess I could run around. Sounds kind of dangerous, though. Yeah, I'm kind of worried about you going alone. I mean, there was that time that you just helped me and it seemed like you surged magic through me somehow? Okay, well, let's let's just try that first and, and then we'll move to other options if that doesn't work. Are you gonna make me float again? Maybe, I, we'll see. That's a little weird whenever that happens, but I'll go for it. I'll trust you. Okay, I will immediately use Mage Hand. <laughs> All right, so you use Mage Hand and hold him up in the air in front of you. I wink at him. <laughs> it's happening! <laughs> in my mind, I'm just going to be like, shh, it looks cool. <laughs> and I will cast Locate Object while focusing on channeling Oystrich's divinity powers and <laughs> all that stuff. All that stuff that you feel like you're slightly learning. Yes. Give me a wisdom check. 17. All right. So... Keth, as you're watching this from a distance, you see her cast mage hand right underneath the oyster, and he just starts to float up about maybe six inches above her hands. She holds the amalgam necklace cupped in her hands below him, and you see her focused on that. And then her eyes just kind of glaze over in a white. I'll, uh, I'll nudge Kurgle and be like, this, this is, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, watch. And then something you haven't seen her do alone before, but you saw happen with Fasush. A magical sphere aura erupts from her in a slow, fading fashion, and it almost solidifies. It reminds you of whenever you fought the demon as Fasush and Astra were inside, divining to talk to Felomir. And then Astra. It's dark. You see rain falling. Looking at the pendant in your hands, the scene changes, and you see the pendant around a man's neck. To your right and left is the shine and glistening of a wet iron as two statues walk beside Kor. People in the road look in terror as he passes by them. He's on the move in the open. Seems fearless, even with people seeing him. You see his chin, youthful, empty patches of brown facial hair, but his chin holds a full patch of hair. He turns a corner and as your vision zooms out, 
You see his mouth smirk evilly. He then starts to walk forward quickly. The iron statues keep pace. You see him pass two stone statues, then another set of two, another set of two, another set, and another set. And eventually, behind him, you see an iron statue laying on the ground broken. He runs upstairs and pushes on double doors. A warm light shines on him. You heard the slamming of the doors twice, once in your head and once milliseconds later. You cut off the vision and hold Oystrich in your hands and look to the doors of the temple. Keth, Astra, Quor Ravenness stands in the doorway with two iron gargoyles in his company. He unsheaths a longsword, grins, and rushes forward. Give me initiatives. I think we found him. Lorik sits in a chair in front of you. He giggles as Rusi's illusion fades away. He stares at you and then uncontrollably and loudly starts laughing. He falls from his chair holding his belly. I'm going to pantomime just looking at my non-existent watch. Are you done? He starts to sit up. Oh, man. I got you so good. (laughs) This has been one of my longest and best jokes. Maybe even better than what I did to those stupid Wigan Street boys. Boy, when I started to think I'd never get to drop this punchline on you. (laughs) Oh, man. This is so good. Tell me. Tell me. Do you still have the letter? What letter? You know the letter. I don't have the slightest idea what you're talking about. Yes, I still have have the letter. And I'm just going to pull it out. (laughs) Years later, you still have it. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. This is, this is so fantastic. So no, you're not done? Well, uh, hold on. Look at the letter again. I'll look at the letter again. Think about it. Think about it. You might be able to figure it out. Figure what out? The whole time. The joke. It's right there in front of you. I, I will inspect the letter. <laughs> he starts laughing uncontrollably <laughs> as you unfold it. All right, come on. Read it out loud. Tell me what you see. You really want me to read it out loud? Yeah. You know, you have the most annoying laugh. Has anyone ever told you how annoying your voice is? Yeah. (laughs) I will follow you in the shadows and follow the soft scent of your hair. Did you write this yourself? Yeah, I did. No, I'm I'm so wet. (laughs) I will... I will watch your cheeks shine from the back of the crowd and dream of the day that I can have you as my own. I will take your hand as my own and smother you with my... This is a threat. No, it's not a threat. You sent me a threat. No, I didn't. This is what you did, though. It's a love letter, right? It depends on the context, I guess. If you're a wildly successful and talented musician and a fan gives you this note, it's one thing. And if you're kidnapped... Against your will, it's another thing, I guess, isn't it? You don't like my joke? As the letter just, like, relaxes to the floor. Come on, keep going. It's almost there. (sighs) I'll pick up the letter again. The day we meet, I will capture your heart as you have captured mine. See, this is the part that doesn't make any sense. You're accusing me of doing a thing, and I've never done a thing to you. That's, uh, Rusi. (laughs) You made her, uh, love you. Who is Rusi? (laughs) Keep going. There's (laughs) There's <laughs> love and tickling kisses. 
you loved that one, didn't you? That, that was Rusi. What kind of last name is this? He falls off the chair again, yeah. just uncontrollably laughing. What is it? Is it here? It's right there. Is it the name? Yeah. Is this it? <laughs> yeah. What, what is it? Come on. What is it, Lorik? Come on, Dorothy. You got it. Just tell me what it is. Rusi Hagelcher. Hagelcher. Hagelcher Rusi. I'm going to be honest. I don't get it. <laughs> come on. Come on. Play with the letters. Rusi Hagelcher. Come on. Just play with it, the letters. It seriously looks like something is scrambled. I'll say that. Yes. So you're, you're giving me like a like a fourth grade word problem right now? Yeah, yeah. Who's Rusi Hagelcher? I don't know. You it's made me. <laughs> Rusi Hagelcher is me. I see. Loric High Rose, it's all right there. <laughs> I Listen, Loric, I know that you know that I hate you. But I don't know if you're aware of the level <laughs> at which I hate you. You didn't you didn't like my prank? I, I see where your heart was. Uh, but I just feel like uh, you did a lot. Mm. You you did a lot, Loric. That's disappointing. I don't know why you're disappointed, Loric. It's kind of my last prank, you know. Answer a question for me honestly, Loric. Why me? You just played a festival. For thousands, hundreds, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I can't count. There's a lot of fucking people out there, and they all love you. Well, look, I, you seemed like you would be into it back at Tempia. This joke? Okay, well, I'll tell you more. Watch this. He steps back. Oh, my God. And he goes to the opposite side of the room, and he spreads his feet and points his elbows to the side. You ready? Yes. One. And he starts to spin. Two. Three. And he throws his hands out at the end. And nothing's happened. Are you okay? No. Uh, well, well, yeah. But, <laughs> but, but don't you get it? No. Rusi is me. I'm me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, when, when I say this, I don't want it to seem like a, like a compliment or anything. It's going to sound like a compliment, but it, it's trust me, it's not. I have spent years of my life obsessing over you about my uh, about how jealous I I'll say it I was jealous it's so much easier to say now because you're insane <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing to be admired here what's wrong with you okay uh, let's try this Dorith it's nice to formally meet you I'm not Loric I'm Jiminy alas Living Guardian. Hey, companions. Long episode, so I'm just going to do a quick promo and nothing else here for this mid-roll. So how did you feel about Loric? Did you catch when his voice was used? He was at the end of episode 85, which was the Act 3 finale. And with what you just learned, he was also in The Equilibrium. And then he has been in episodes 87 through 89 now. So let me tell you about this guy. He's got a huge range with his voice acting. He can sing, and also he's a DM like me. I can tell you this because not only have I listened to his podcast, but I've also guested on other podcasts with him. His name is Seth, and he has been so kind in helping orbs with these episodes. The players have a history with Jiminy from our previous campaigns. And one of the things Steven, who plays Keth, had to say about Jiminy from The Equilibrium 
is that he has the exact voice he has always pictured for Mr. Quickfoot. And for Seth to reread all of my lines from the table in such a perfect and timely manner, I really can't thank him enough. Even with all that effort he puts towards playing Jiminy, he still is able to get his own content produced. His podcast, Cheaper by the Dungeon, is a fantastic journey with three characters treasure hunting in his homebrew world. You should check it out. And to maybe spark some of that interest, here is their promo. Hey, everybody. You want a new D&D 5th edition podcast to listen to? <laughs> well, I know I'm always looking for one. So guess what? I've got a recommendation for you. It's called Cheaper by the Dungeon. It's a Dungeons & Dragons campaign following the adventures of Zippy, Darian, and Normandy as they travel to become the greatest treasure hunters of all time. We've got some hardcore action. That's Five, 18 damage, 18 damage, four, 18 damage. Three, you come through with an 18 damage, you're swinging another a buster swing. for- Another swing, that's another seven, it's 17 damage. Two, 17 damage, seven, 17 damage. Comedy, great. So you wanna, you wanna bet on your friends? What do you wanna bet? Uh, they're very lives, I think. As high as it goes. I'm, oh, I'm ready to win today. Okay. And even some dramatic moments. You have chosen the path you've sown. Now travel to the depths alone. And I, with Royce, I grab him and I throw him over the edge. But most of all, this show is filled to the brim with heart. And we hope that you come and join our adventure and become a cheapskate yourself. Catch Cheaper by the Dungeon anywhere you get your podcasts. Check us out. Love you. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we did it. More treasure. I've got to fight it. It's mine. Darian, I mean, that was, that was so good. Wow. I'm, I'm amazed. Yeah. The eight-legged creature in front of you appears to be fused with Grant's lifeless body. Its skin is hardened like a crustacean, but has tarantula-like hair sprouting from the joints. The legs end in one-edged chitin blades. These must have been the footprints you saw at the murder scene. Up first for the surprise round is Finch and Fally Finch first. Okay, so I'm going to start by using uh, my bonus action to use Hunter's Mark, and then I'm going to take out my longbow and take two shots. All right, so for the Hunter's Mark, you'll lose one HP for the life force. This will be advantage for the surprise round, so go ahead and give me that first attack. 17. 17 is a hit. You can go ahead and give me the second one. That's advantage as well? Yes. 21. 21's a hit. Okay, Dave, so with my Hunter's Mark damage and the Hunter Colossus damage and the auto crit damage from my assassin feat, the total in all is 42. You see these two arrows fly true down the alley and go through Grant's body and you hear the clink of the chitin armor and you hear it break and splinter all over this crustacean-like spider, but it's not dead. We move on to Felomir in this surprise round. I am going to attempt to cast Telekinesis on this spider creature. Okay, so it's a large creature. Which uh, is fine. Okay, so what's telekinesis do? I can try to move a huge or smaller creature, make an ability check, contested by the creature's strength check. 
If I win, I can move the creature up to 30 feet in any direction, including upward. Till the end of my next turn, the creature is restrained in my telekinetic grip. Okay. <laughs> the creature lifted upwards is suspended in midair. All right, so it's a strength check against... My charisma check. Okay. I got a 12. I got a crit miss. All right. So you wave your arms around to cast telekinesis, and you feel this forceful energy emit from your hands. You start to envelop around him, but he breaks free as he turns around after the two arrow attacks and looks at the two of you with anger. The woman behind screams and starts to run towards y'all to escape now that the creature turned its gaze on y'all. Oh, no. She doesn't know about... Oh, no. I tried, girl. I tried. Try to get you out of She's there. obviously never played D&D before. She doesn't know about the attack of opportunity. What is she doing? No. <laughs> you should have where you were. Much better battle advantage where you were. She's she's in his range, but uh, stops before exiting the alley. But the creature did not turn to her at all. So she's just screaming and running currently. And then we are back at the top of the order with the cauldron. The cauldron takes a swipe at her with his blade legs and hits. Y'all need to save her. Oh yeah, she did. Oh God. You see the blade leg just pierce into her back and it goes through her abdomen and then he just holds her body up into the air. And then he runs towards y'all. Uh, he does have multi-attack. So for his second attack, he will swing at Finch. What's your AC, Finch? He rolled a 25. Yeah, I'm 15. All right, so he does 13 damage to you, Finch. He pierces into your shoulder with his other front leg and pushes you to the ground, and you are now pinned to the ground by his special ability with a blade through your top left shoulder. And you are now in the restrained condition. Hmm. <laughs> Why does a creature such as this need to exist? Where did it come from, you think? I'm pretty sure it came from Greek Souls. I <laughs> but, <wonder>. like, <laughs> what circumstance, like, what thing made this? <laughs> Why? And that will end his turn with the woman dead and restrained and you alive and restrained, prone on the ground. And then after the cauldron is Finch. So... Can I like make actions? I just can't like move basically? Or? So the restrained action means that your current speed is zero. You have no movement speed. Attack rolls against you have advantage and your attacks against another creature have disadvantage. So I still have three shots and a flintlock left. I don't know if we want to assume that I had one packed and ready. Or... I'll say you have one packed and ready. So then that I'm going to just try and like with my arm that isn't, you know, like pinned down. With so the... your right arm? Yeah, so I'll reach down to uh, wherever I have it sheathed and, you know, take it out and All pop right. off a shot. Give me the attack with disadvantage. Ooh, not too bad, though. Uh, 20. 20 is a hit. Give me the damage. 11 damage. All right. 11 damage to the belly of the uh, cauldron. The flintlock blasts. It explodes, echoing through the city streets, even in the storm. Is there anything else you'd like to do on your turn, Bench? Well, technically, there's two attacks per turn. I know I can't shoot twice, but maybe I could use that second attack to reload. I don't remember where we landed on that. I don't either. But I don't it, think so. No, you need to take your full action to reload. That's fine. That's, um, where, that's where Kurgle's at. I know that much. 
I will allow you to drop the flintlock to the ground and unsheath the dagger. Yeah, that, okay, let's do or, that. Not your dagger, but your... My bowie knife. <laughs> oh, yes. You want to go for anything specific on that? Mate, can I try and, like, stab it and maybe, like, break off whatever is, like, in my shoulder, like the tip of his claw thing? Okay, uh, we can go for that. Uh, I will increase the AC of the hit, if so. Okay, that's fine. I still want to go for it. Okay. I think it'd be cool if I was walking around with half of this claw <laughs> sticking out of my shoulder. All right. So it's still a disadvantage because you're restrained. 17. Hmm. It's a miss, unfortunately, with the increased AC on the targeted hit. Bummer. So you just you take your Bowie knife, and it just kind of weakly clanks against the crustacean armor of the leg, and uh, you just kind of restrained on the ground, no movement. Is there anything you can do with your bonus action you'd like to do? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. So then after Finch, we are on to Felomir. To set the scene for you listeners, uh, the creature has run up on both of them, and Felomir is within melee range, and the woman is a part of the miniature, and so is Finch. So Finch is in that square right there. Yeah, he's he's pinned under the the creature pretty much. All right. That complicates things. Is he he's pinned under the creature, so yeah. he's not at the same height of the creature? I would say so, yes. Finch is prone and the creature is large, so we'll say that the creature's eight feet tall. And how tall are the buildings in this alley? We'll say eight feet to the edge of the roof. So they're like Almost one story like, buildings? Yeah, one story buildings. Okay. I want to cast Wall of Light. Alright. Tell me more. A shimmering wall of bright light appears at a point that I choose within range. It can appear in any orientation, up to 60 feet long, 10 feet high, and 5 feet thick. It emits bright light out to 120 feet and dim light for an additional 120 feet. And whenever the wall appears, each creature in its area must make a con saving throw. On a failed save, they take 48 radiant damage and are blinded for one minute. Okay. So where are you placing this wall of light? All right. So I want it to be like flat, right? Okay. So ten, it's 10 feet wide. 10 feet wide, 5 feet tall. Yes. Okay. And 60 feet long, but I want it to be going up diagonally. Okay. And I want the edge of it to be at the the head or like the as pretty much as much of the creature as I can get in it without getting Finch in it. Okay. So you're not worried about the lady? She's dead, right? I mean, she looks pretty dead. Then no. Okay. So as this spawns, it does damage? Uh, yes. It's a con save, and then it's damage depending on if they succeed or fail. Okay. Well, she fails. It rolled a 10. That's a fail. Okay. But she also failed, the lady. Oh, so she's not dead. Well, sorry. <laughs> she's dead now. Could have sworn you said she was dead. I mean, she's, <laughs> she, she's dead. I think she's dead. Yes. So I am doing this anyway. <laughs> so they both take 48 radiant damage and right. are blinded for one minute. All right. That's going to be 14 radiant damage. To both of them? To both of them. And they are both blinded for a minute. All right. So uh, what this looks like is you emit this wall of light diagonally from you towards the sky. The creature shrieks loudly. The woman vaporizes. Her body just turns into dust from the radiant to damage. Dispose of the evidence. I was going to say, that's the be second yeah. best outcome. Yeah, that is the second best outcome. <laughs> And then the creature takes the damage as well, and you can see, like, the radiant energy kind of seeps into cracks that are already wounded and everything, and it is burning the body up from the inside a little bit. And then after, Felomir is the lady who is now dead, and then we're at the top of the order for the cauldron. The creature is going to run backwards, 
And then you see the legs of the cauldron attached to the wall while holding, like you can see it feeling for the wall as it moves backwards from you. And it's keeping Finch in the air, just a little bit off the ground, pulling him with it. And then you, one of its eight legs on the right is like feeling the wall. And then as it gets somewhere, it starts to move upwards and it's blinded. It's just gonna double move. So it's slowly moving at this point when it gets on top because it doesn't want to fall off, but it's now on top of one of the buildings, Felomir, and has Finch up there with it. And it appears to be able to climb freely on walls. Cool. And then at the end of its turn, it can take a con save for the blind. And that's a six. So it fails and this continued to be blind after the cauldron is Finch. Finch, you're aware of everything that's happening. You're being dragged on top of a building. Can we say I was able to grab my flintlock off the ground before he scurried off with me? And hmm. where is that? Because uh, you willingly dropped it and held the bowie, I'm going to give you a dex check, not save, at disadvantage. Seven? I'm going to say that you left the flintlock on the ground. Damn it. Are these buildings made out of, like, stone or brick, perhaps? We'll say the walls are made of kind of a mix of stone and wood. So like wood framing with stone centers. And then the, the roof is made of thatch. All right. Um, I'm going to keep stabbing this thing <laughs> in my shoulder. And you're going for the leg or are you going for damage? Uh, I'm going to for the leg thing that's in my Okay. Uh, to try and break it. So that's the increased AC thing. All right. Give me the stabs. 25. <laughs> 25 is a hit to the leg. Ooh, that one's good, too. 23 is the second one. 23 is the second hit. All right, so now you just need to do enough damage to break the leg. So give me the damage for the Bowie knife twice. 18. 18 damage. 18 slashing damage. Uh, so you feel as you slash against the crustacean armor that it kind of, like, has a hard time breaking through. You do splinter it a little bit, but it seems to resist that type of damage. Dang. But you do see a nice, decent crack in the leg, but it didn't break all the way through. After Finch, we are on to Felomir. I still have a visual on this creature. Is that accurate? Yeah, we'll say you see, like, the top half of its body currently. All right. Uh, I will use my action to uh, launch a beam of radiance from this wall. All right. Is this a spell attack? Yep, it'll be a spell attack with advantage because it is still blinded. That's going to be a 27. 27's a hit. For 18 radiant damage. All right, so the creature is looking extremely wounded. Parts of its titan armor are just breaking off and decaying from this radiant energy, and the core of its body seems to be glowing red. It's barely hanging on, and it's limping along the top of this thatch roof, and it gets to the edge, and Finch, you see yourself being hoisted over the edge, and it just slings its arm, releasing you to the ground in a little bit of a throw. Uh, it is a one-story building with some force downward. I'm going to say that's 2d6 falling damage. 11 falling damage. After it does that, it's blinded still, so... It's filling her around and like clumsily stumbling all over the top of the roof. And it's trying to figure out how to escape because it can't see anything. It'll end its turn there and then make a attempt to unblind for a 16. That is a fail. What? Nice. 18, 18 spell DC, baby. All right. So, uh, <laughs> thank baby. goodness. This is helping so much. <laughs> all right. So, uh, it's blinded at the top of this roof and it's there and it is now. Finch's turn. 
since you don't have a visual on it from where you're at. I'm going to get up and run until I can get a nice visual. Okay. Do you want to go towards the creature or towards Felomir? As long as I can still keep it in my vision, I'm going to go towards it just in case it tries to make a break for it. I really don't want this to get away. Okay. Because of the prone status, you had to use half of your movement to stand up. You can't even get to the edge to look from a different angle from where you're at. Would you like to dash? Yeah, sure. Okay. This You won't be able to attack if you dash. That's fine. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're a rogue. You have cunning action. You can dash as a bonus action. So. By God, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you want to dash with your bonus action? Yes, please. I'm going to say as you run d- down this alleyway you were thrown into and just kind of basically surrounding it with Felomir on the other side, you get to the point where you can see its head above its head on the roof. You can't see its full body, just its head. Mm-hmm. So you see the top of the creature's body and Grant's head. All right. going to take out my bow. <laughs> this is with advantage still. And it does have slight cover. I wonder if I should sharpshoot him. I mean, do whatever you want. <laughs> I'm going to sharpshoot. <laughs> All right. You're using sharpshooter for the plus 10 damage, negative 5 attack? That's correct. All right. Um, That's with advantage. So here we go. The first one was 13. 13 is a miss. Try again. Still going to use sharpshooter? Oh, yes. Too late. Yes. Rolled. No, I wasn't okay. planning on it. <laughs> they were both me sharpshooting. Yes, crit. All Critical. right. Critical. All right, give me that d20 roll. That is a nine. You get an extra die on your critical. Of damage. Of damage. Of damage. So you'll roll your weapon damage, your Colossus Slayer damage, your sneak attack because you had advantage, and the extra die on the critical. 21 plus 14 is 35 damage. I did it all by myself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you take aim with your bow and you release that first arrow that misses, but it doesn't really miss. It hits Grant's head and it just kind of goes through. The creature didn't even notice. It's like Grant's body means nothing to it. But the other arrow pierces through the upper body of the crustacean creature and it breaks through all the chitin armor, and you actually see it fly out the other end and into the sky, and the creature stands fast for a second and then just falls into the alley where the lady was and trapped. You've killed the cauldron. Whew. That was a close one. And you gather back into the alleyway to meet up. Yeah, I'm looking like hogtying and dragging this thing into town. Got to clear the Crimson Command's name. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you have this full body here of this crustacean creature and Grant's body fused to it. It's actually kind of gross looking. Sounds pretty gross looking. And as the light of your wall of light shines and slightly starts to dim, you look behind you in the alley and sentinels have blocked your path. This young adult man runs down the chapel's center aisle. His jaw-length brown hair flies backwards. The two iron gargoyles run behind him, trembling the ground with the weight of their iron bodies, their metal wings fanned outward and the iron hands gripping their six-foot greatswords. Up first is Keth. 
All right. So first thing I'm going to do is rage. All right. I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to move up in between the uh, pews, and I'm going to take the dodge action. Okay. And that will give them disadvantage against you on the the rest of their yep. turn. And then if they run past me down the pews, I get an attack of opportunity. Very good. Cool. So you run into the center aisle right at the opening into the altar area, and you hold fast. And after Keth, we are on to Astra. Are they stone gargoyles? They're iron gargoyles. Okay. I will do two level three lightning. Chromatic orbs. Chromatic orbs um, at both of the gargoyles using my twin spell. Okay. That will trigger wild magic on the sorcery point usage. Yes. And before I do that, I will yell, what do you want? Okay. Do you want to make any moves before casting these spells? Um, I'll kind of move up so that I'm, yeah, so that I'm not so in line of Keth. 17 plus six. That's a hit. 16. 16 is a hit. Cool. All right. So two separate iron gorgles getting hit by these lightning type chromatic orbs. Give me the damage separate, or you can just it's up to you. You can roll it twice, or you can roll it once. I'll do whatever you want to do. Okay. But you got to make the call before you roll any of them. I'll roll them separately. It's 5d8 for level 3. Okay. Uh, the first one is 16. 16 lightning damage. 20 to the second one. All right. And are we doing wild magic? Yep. Wild go. magic. Let's go on that wild magic. Um, 87. <laughs> you cast fly on a random creature within 60 feet of you. Oh, no. <laughs> well, at least Please be Kirkle. 60 feet. Please yes. be Kirkle. So none of the enemy is in it. Cool. So D4? Okay. Kev, you feel light. You feel weightless. You feel like you could fly. Whoa. <laughs> Something's happening to me. <laughs> and these two lightning chromatic orbs hit the iron gargoyles solid in their chest. And the lightning kind of wraps all around their metal bodies, doing significant damage. And after Astra is Quar, who yells back in response, I'm here to kill you. The fated ability will be mine. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I all figured, right. but just checking. What a dick. And so he rushes forward to Keth. You don't know who he's fucking with. This young 17-year-old boy. Swinging his longsword at you with disadvantage, right? Mm hmm. For a 20, Defender wins. Defender wins. All right. So you take your hammer and parry his attack as he brings his longsword down at you. And then, as you like hold fast there against his blade with his offhand, he brings his hand towards your chest and you see fire emitting from his hands as he attempts a fire blast at you with disadvantage. A 21. Ooh. Oh, God, for 19 fire damage. Jesus. And after Quar is the gargoyle's turns. They rush forward and break through the pews to surround Keth. And uh, you got three enemies surrounding you now, Keth. Oh, shit. (laughs) But they had to use their dash actions to make that happen. So after the gargoyles is Mayan Rail's turn, who trembles and shakes and quivers. Old ass bitch. And runs upwards to the altar and hides behind something. And then you hear Kurgle scream out, Oh, don't worry, I got your back, y'all. 
and you hear the cocking of a flintlock (laughs) (laughs) as she aims at the nearest gargoyle and hits for a 24. The bullet flies true, hitting the gargoyle in the chest, and uh, you see it dent to the iron and then bounce and ricochet into the chapel. And then after Kurgle, we are back at the top of the order with Ket. Question. All right. We're in a temple? You're, yeah, like a temple building. How high is the ceiling? It's pretty fucking high. This is a very elegant place. We'll say it's 50 feet high. I like that. So I'm going to I'm gonna grapple a little fuckboy. All right. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's going to be a 25. It's a 6. And then I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to fly up into the air as high as I can go. All right. You will be leaving the reach of the gargoyles. Whatever. Okay. I'll let them hit me. All right. Uh, 28 and 24 on those great sword hits. Those are hits. 22 slashing damage. Is this uh, just slashing yeah, on magical? Yeah, just slashing on magical. Is that halved already? No, that's not halved, so 11. So, uh, yeah, I'll, like, grapple him to, to go for, like, a body slam or something, and when I lift my momentum up, that's what carries me upwards yeah. into this flight, and I'll just kind of, like, go with it. I, I am looking a little beat up from those uh, slashes I just took, though. Well, that and the, the pummeling. The fire that, blast. And the fire blast, and then the pummeling from the statue from outside. All right, so you're now 40 feet in the air. You have him grappled. Is there anything else you want to do on your turn, Cass? Well, no, I can. The grapple takes the place of one attack action. Yes. So I could make another attack. If I'll, you... uh, I'm going to bite him. I'm going to look him as I'm flying <laughs> up and I'm holding him and I'm just going to look in his face and then just chomp down on his shoulder. All right. Using the turkadile bite to give me the attack. Uh, it's going to be a 26. 26 is a hit. It's a bite. I'm going to bite him for nine damage. All right, you chomp down on his shoulder, and uh, he wails in pain, and he's not happy about this. And you see his offhand come up and snap his finger, and I need a dexterity save from you. All right, you save, which will do half damage then. So it'll be 14 fire damage total, half, so seven fire damage on the save. And you know what? Give me a dexterity save on that save would be 18. 18. All right. You hold on to him. You hold fast. You almost dropped him from that fire damage erupting around you. And I'm going to say, I don't fear your flames, boy. Ooh. Give me an intimidation check. Dang. Boy. 14. He credit on his resist. He's not scared of you either, bud. (laughs) (laughs) This 17-year-old boy is just like, nah, I'm going to take you, dude. (laughs) Um, And then after... Keth flies in the air, bites, and grapples, etc. We're on to Astra's turn. Astra, the scene in front of you is Keth is flying 40 feet in the air with Quar, and the two iron gargoyles are looking up at him, trying to reach him with their greatswords. Cool, 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 cool. Hi. I'm going to do exactly the same thing at a lower level. So I'm going to do a twin spell at both of the gargoyles Okay. with a lightning chromatic orb at Level two each? Yes. All right. Uh, Give me the attacks, and we will go into wild magic again here shortly. Uh, 21 for the first one. 21's a hit. And 21 for the second one. All right. Both hit. Let's uh, get the damage on both of them. Nice. Uh, 20. 
All right. 16. Yeah, I also have something else I want to do. But. All right, give me the wild magic roll, the D100. Before I do that, I, as a bonus action, I would like to heal Keth using healing word. All right. How much does that heal? Depending on what level, could be a, a good amount. I will do a fourth level because he's taken a lot of damage. So that's 44 plus two. All right. Don't forget life force. Yep. Okay. 14 plus two. So 16. 16 healing, Kath. The D100 for the wild magic? Uh, 71. 71. You gain resistance to all damage for the next minute. You're following Kath in his footsteps completely, even it's almost like you're going into rage mode. For how long? For the next minute. So 10 rounds, but probably won't last much longer. Because as you emit these chromatic orbs from your hands, they collide with the iron gargoyles and they crumble and crack and implode on themselves as this electric damage pulls them inward. They are dead. And the only remaining enemy is Quar. And we are on Mayan's turn. And Mayan yells out, Quar, in this! Like, stop fighting. Oh. Like, He's not turning on you. (laughs) (laughs) He's not turning on you. Have a little bit of trust in the NPCs in the world. (laughs) Trust this old man. But Kurgles turns up. Oh, God. (laughs) Keep forgetting that she's here. And she reloads her flintlock. Don't worry, Kath. I'll shoot him soon. I got you, bud. No, don't shoot him. You're going to shoot me. Why would I shoot him? No, stop jostling. (laughs) And then that'll be her turn as she reloads the flintlock. Yeah, it is now your turn. This is tussling! And I'm going to <laughs> fly upwards another 10 feet and throw him up into the ceiling. <laughs> Love it. All right. We'll say that that gives him 1d6 of fall damage as you throw him upwards into the city, like that momentum. So roll me a d6. Six. Nice. So he slams into one of the painted murals and blood kind of splatters from his back as it hits the ceiling. Uh, he's still alive, but he starts to fall. <laughs> he wishes he was alive. <laughs> and as he gets about halfway, you see him flailing heavily, and then he just hits the stone floor. Oh, God. Uh, doing 5d6, Kev. Fall, 5d6 fall damage. Yeah, how, how far the fall was Every that? 10 feet is a d6, and it was 50 feet Jeez, to the ceiling. Please. That's going to hurt. Belly flopping on the stone. So what you're telling me is I should fly more often. <laughs> or take people that can't fly in the air with you more often. 16. I want to kill this kid. It's not his fault. He's just a kid. He's apparently murdering people in Shambles. Well, yeah, you're right. He said, I came here to kill you. <laughs> point blank, period. Like, I don't give a shit who you are at that point. So as he hits uh, the ground and kind of splats a little, um, his body's lip, and there's definitely blood on the ground, and you see his head kind of cock upwards, and then his head starts to fall as if he's about to die, and combat's over. And I'll fly down as fast as I can and stop <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, no, here's a leg drop. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, here it is. The finisher. Yeah. Uh, due to the time that I've given you to think about it, um, he dies. Okay. Uh, guess she can't mend that. <laughs> I was giving you a chance to spare the dying if you wanted. Gotcha. But he died. Mayan walks forward, and you can see that his tears have formed on his eyes, and you walks over and kind of picks 
and rolls him on his back and like cradles his head. <sighs> well, I guess it's over. I don't know who will be next though. Another successor has already been chosen. When do we find out who the successor is? We may never find out. We might only find out when you die, but you've saved the people of Shandlin today, despite the damage to the chapel. <laughs> I was trying not to do damage, so I didn't do a fireball. Oh, and as I'm flying, flying down. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I could if you give me a rag. I could clean that real quick. <laughs> Finch and Felomir, you are standing in the alleyway. The rain falling down on you this night. The woman's body is nowhere to be seen. The body of the cauldron is laying lifeless. And sentinels, six of them, have marched into the alley and are blocking your path. They look to you and say, What's happening here? Sentinels, I have found your murderer. You, you talking about the Crimson Command? It is no Crimson Command. It is this beast, this monstrosity. The Crimson Command is innocent and I have proof. And I'll just kind of step to the side and point at it or whatever and maybe spit on it too. Uh, the one that was talking to you runs forward and looks at it. Oh my god. Crimson Command body on it. What happened here? Do not know. I recognize the man, but this is not him. This is something else has happened to him. Who is it then? You said you recognize him? He was once my teacher. This is Grant. Grant Quarter. He used to be a well-respected, very good man. Wait, like he's starting to piece it together and he steps back from you for a second and points his spear. Are, are you part of the Crimson Command? Yes. And we had nothing to do with this. And I'm going to fucking point at it again. <laughs> Give me a persuasion check with advantage. Crit. All right. God. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if, if this doesn't do it for these guys, I don't know what the Yeah, fuck I was like, well, when it's the fucking truth, I don't, I, I, you have no option but to crit. The evidence is like... <laughs> I mean, there's still a Crimson Command body there. That's He's like a shriveled up raisin on the back of a fucking giant tarantula. <laughs> he lowers his guard with the spear a little bit, nods. Something must have happened to him. I, I had many friends in the Crimson Command, so... I, I believe you. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I ask. But who are you? Me? <laughs> <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> Me? I'm Flynn. Flynn Finch Cartwright, Master Scout of Asus. You see him tense up a little bit. Bloodline of Heltron. <laughs> and should I say that? <laughs> I mean, you did. You're I mean, making a fucking face my, now. I mean, that's the first time you said it. <laughs> my goddamn name. He, you see him tense up and like grip his spear, like he's, like as you said, Flynn Finch Cartwright, and then you start saying all the other stuff. But mm -hmm. you see him also thinking about it. Okay. I mean, he puts a spear to the side and points it upwards and holds it. Okay. Um, will you mind filing a report? Uh, absolutely. W whatever you guys need. And we looks like we need to get you healed. And who are you? And he looks at you, Felomir. Uh, this whole time, I've just been intently inspecting the uh, cal <laughs> like cauldron. Picking cauldron. up legs. <laughs> yeah. Looking under like, it. Looking at Grant's body. And then, uh, oh, uh, yes, I, I'm Felomir. I'm uh, a friend of uh, Finch's here. Okay. Were you involved in this? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, then the two of you, come with me back to the, to the tower, and we'll, we'll get your report. And I guess the reward will be yours. The only reward I need is the Crimson Command's name cleared. Oh, well, now, wait a minute here. <laughs> <laughs>
Doroth, you stand in silence as Lorik. Well, Jiminy has revealed his joke on you. Wait, so, like, like your first name is Jiminy? Yeah, I'm, I'm Jiminy. Like, like, the same Jiminy? Yeah, I'm the same Jiminy. Man, I can't believe you didn't like my joke. Well, I mean, I'm, look, I get that you're, you're, you're big shit and all that, but as, as a mortal, I'm just gonna have to say it seemed a little uninspired. It's, from what I read of you, I expected better. He kicks dirt a little bit and walks towards the chair. And you see him put his hand out to the side and a little table conjures out of nothing. And then he puts his hand to the other side and conjures a chair. And he forms a tea kettle. And then you see it start to like let out some steam. Come on. Let's drink some tea. Now, if I sit in that chair. I'm done with pranks. Okay. <laughs> I'll go sit in the chair. He pours a cup for you and a cup for himself. And he takes a sip. Mortal, huh? Yeah. Never know what that was like. Never? Well, no. Well, I mean, of, of course, but uh, it just seems so far-fetched to me. Like, you've never feared death? I mean, I've feared death, but I mean, I'm immortal. Or I think I'm immortal. Now, what is that? It says pretty plainly in the books that I've read that you're immortal. <laughs> the books are wrong, Dorothy. Excuse me? I, I was there. Well, why are the books wrong, then? I don't know. People don't know how to tell the story right, I guess. Well, this, I did not expect this to, to go here. What happened, Jiminy? Why, why are you like this? You seem sad. Well, Doroth, I'm getting old. You don't look a day over. <laughs> he, he does look young. Okay. <laughs> you don't look a day over 30. I, I don't feel 30. Let's see. I've lost count now, but 1,158 years? Yep, that sounds about right. Wow. I would be so tired of existing. Uh, oh my god, life would suck. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, Dorothy. I would have no inspiration to do anything ever again. And no friends, right? I mean, all mine are dead. Wow! Everyone you've ever known and loved is gone. Yep. Long gone. Yep. That must be really depressing. Yep. How do you make it through the day? Jokes. I'm going to, like, tilt my head. Performing. It matters, right? Well, performing, yeah, but I'm just... I'm sorry, I don't mean to harp on it, but your jokes have gotten stale. I don't know if they've gotten stale, but I think you just don't know what you're talking about. That was a good joke. That was a good, long joke. It wasn't funny, Jiminy. I bet if somebody else heard the story, they'd laugh. Probably. So it's a good joke. I I think you need to find your audience. Is, is what we're getting here. I guess you're right. I think the person you pulled the joke on is not the person that's supposed to find it funny. You're probably right. That's what those Wicked Street Boys had a problem with. What, what does that mean? What do you keep saying? Oh, uh, so a long time ago, I had this really fun idea, right? Where these really drunk students decided that they wanted to, like, mess with the dwarves. And I was friends with these dwarves. And then they, like, they had these explosive device that I didn't know that they had and then I made them fight the dwarves, the Wiggistry students, and they blew up the whole fucking tavern. Uh, a lot of people died. And then the dwarves got blamed for it. It was bad. I felt bad. That was the worst joke I've ever pulled. Side note. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> Does Doroth know anything about three no, dwarves? No. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> wow. It feels like you're kind of getting into the, the doing more damage than actually providing entertainment 
because I feel like what you did with me is you gave me a a borderline mental instability for not that good of a joke. You see what I mean? My jokes are are harmless for the most part. Well, I guess I never really thought of it that way. I mean, you are mortal, so you probably do have some mental problems. I'm not even going to fight you there. We've been through a lot, you know. Me and my friends, a whole lot. I bet. I have too. I mean, I know y'all went to Mithron for a little bit, and and the last thing I know is I lost the ability to talk to Hanet. Ooh. He was the last one before me anyways. Well, there's another one, but he's somewhere else, and I don't even know if he's alive. He's half alive, I can tell you that. You're, you're using a lot of pronouns. Uh, I don't know these people. Oh, yeah. I mean, you do. I know of them. them, You know of them, but you know. So who is it? Who's what? Who's alive? Oh, uh, well, I think he might halfway be alive. It was a guy named Ziv. And uh, Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. Haltron told me to say that uh, his name's Vorin now. Vorin. Vorin. He's half alive. Or alive. Or I don't know what's going on with him. He's somewhere else. Would you like to know what's going on with Warren? Uh, it's not like I could fight him or anything. I'm by myself, and I'm, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, look, I've been through a lot of shit the last seven hundred and fifty years. I, I'm good. I'm getting old for. Look, it, this was all supposed to work, and it didn't. All of it didn't work. What? There's more? Well, no. Like the equilibrium, or whatever you call it. The balance. What do you mean it doesn't work? It hasn't worked, obviously. Well, I mean, there's ups and downs, but... I wouldn't call ups and downs balance. I would call that balancing. True. But, I mean, look. Me and my friends... Look, I have some great friends. They're, They're not that funny, but they are loyal, and they, they've got good hearts. We're going to fix this, I think. We're, we're working on it. Until you kidnap me, now I'm talking to you. <laughs> so. Okay, but I mean, look. You're a good guy, Dorf. Th- thanks? I mean, I think you are. Remember whenever we were performing at the same time to the same crowd on separate stages? Yes. See, that's when I realized you and me could be friends. You know, you and I have been through a lot, and uh, it wasn't until you told me that you were not at all who you said you were that I realized, wow, I can never trust this man. (laughs) So That's sad to hear because... I apologize if I need a little convincing, but my entire world's been flipped upside down, so give me some time. Well, I mean, you probably have another year or so. Excuse me? Well, before I make my decision... See, I'm trying to figure out what Adamo did like 600 years ago. He got tired and he got bored. He got weak and old. And he somehow passed his whole thing onto someone. Wait, so you're telling me you can pass your guardianship onto someone else because you got bored? Or because we're dying. But the guy that followed Adamo, he was a dick. Look, Adamo was really fun and. Quirky, and he made a lot of fun comments, and and then this guy just came in, and he got all serious all the time about shit, and it was boring. I know, right? 
it's like a like a like a substitute teacher. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Fuck them. Fuck them. They don't know the class. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she didn't even bring a movie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean the guardians are still around. Like they pop up every once in a while in their spectral forms. Like Narani shows up every once in a while and tells me I'm doing everything wrong. Doesn't tell me what I need to be doing. I don't get it. Yeah, she sounds like a bitch. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I'm sorry I did this joke to you. You know what? I can relate. I, I can relate to being bored with seemingly no valuable outlet. And just, if I could just hurt a person, I could feel better for five minutes. <laughs> I get that. That's what I go through every day, it seems like. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> with, with no <laughs> veil of sarcasm at all. He's just like, yeah, yep. But it was nice to finally formally meet you, I, I guess. I gotta, I gotta ask, why me? Did you pick me or something? Uh, how long has... Being across the stage from each other, I thought we would have a good little fun banter going on, you know? And then I guess I upset you. Well, well, look, I've uh, got things to do. I'm a little embarrassed, so I don't want to keep you around here. Sounds like you've got something going on with Vorin. Yeah, we're trying to fix... Yeah, we got some things going on. So, yeah. It was nice meeting you, Doroth. You know what? It was nice meeting you. And I'll, I'll, I'll stick out my hand. He starts to reach his hand out. And as he starts to reach for my hand, I'm just going to, like, slick it through my hair. <laughs> You got me. See, that's a good one. Work on those. Small, compact. <laughs> I mean, I used to do those all the time. I got bored with them, though. Oh, maybe you should rediscover. You'll get bored. And the smile is just going to fade from my face. And he starts to stand up. He starts walking towards the only door in the room. Wait, so, so have you made your decision? Oh, no, I haven't. Whether to let it die with me or pass it on to someone. Well, don't let it die with you. I mean, I guess it wouldn't die. I mean, like I said, Narani's around. Heltron pops up every once in a while, too. Well, th- th- they're... Listen to yourself. They're boring. You're right. The world needs you or a you. You're right. I should stick around. The world needs more me. <laughs> All right. So I feel like I don't think you're hearing what I'm saying. I think you should stick around. To be who you are, because the world needs that. Yes. The thing that you're doing right now, the picking people and just torturing them for years, the world does not need more of that. Are we clear? Are you trying to tell me that, like, Narani says I should be doing better? I don't know what Narani says. Don't disappoint me with that bullshit. L- language, first of all. You called her a bitch. You, I- <laughs> <laughs> Just like a substitute teacher. You hear his hand grab the knob as it clinks a little bit. Well, look, if you're ever in town again, come catch one of my shows. You should catch mine, too. You should catch mine. You should catch mine. Well, I'm going to, but I'm just like, before that. We should do a show together. You could be in my band. You should catch mine. (laughs) (laughs) He smiles and nods his head. And then he turns the doorknob and looks back at you. Keep being you, Doroth. Don't let anyone stop you. 
I don't have any choice. <laughs> and he opens the door. And you hear a rambunctious tavern on the other side finally kind of echo through. Apparently, this is the back room of a very popular tavern. What the fuck? <laughs> and, and he exits the room and closes the door behind him. 